Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle, not Podbean, but we are still on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. You get all of our Dolphins content as well as the Heat content. Also, check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out for the latest takeaways at the buzzer every single game from Brady Hawk. It's free. We don't have a paywall. Imagine that. Okay. Also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network prize picks. Use the code five F I V E get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. This is free money that they're giving you. This is not like 12 rollovers. It's not coming from offshore of Costa Rica in some envelope or something like that. You got to fill out 55 forms. It's literally legal in the state of Florida. So play prize picks. Use our code. This is our official fantasy sponsor, 5FIVE. You can download it from the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, or prizepicks.com. We just had our biggest month at prizepicks, actually, so we appreciate everybody signing up there. Helps us, but it's also just a great app, okay? It was just voted the number one fastest-growing sports product in the country for 2021. So reach out, prizepicks, use the code 5FIVE, get your initial deposit matched up to $100. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yeah, uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Are Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor? We're actually recording this one and posting it a little bit earlier today because we know a lot of people want to get to the Dolphin game, but we figured we'd give you some Heat content before the week. The Heat off this weekend after splitting a two-game set in Boston – Impressive victory in the second one with Jimmy Butler returning. And we said maybe the first time ever that the entire quote unquote big four, which is now what Eric Spolster is calling them played well. I think there was one game in Dallas last year, but there's not a lot of games where we say, okay, all four of those guys were like a B plus or better. And uh, I think they were in this last win against Boston. Today's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. We are going to cover couple things today. Uh, the first thing we're going to cover is we're going to follow up on a report that we had yesterday. You can follow this on our off the floor feed. That is also free, by the way, for the first week. It's a free trial. It's $3.05 afterwards. We don't hold your credit card hostage or anything like that. Uh, you can you can basically check out after six days if you want. Um, but most people stay on there because we offer a lot of exclusive content from the games behind the scenes. Uh, but also, when we hear something, sometimes we don't always put it out on Twitter or on the podcast right away. We put it there first. So we heard something over the past couple of days, and so we've put that out there. Um, Greg, I think you had it. Uh, well, a couple of people had it first. You were among them. Uh, and then I kind of confirmed it with another source. So I think there is something here. Okay. Greg, who are they looking at? So it's funny. They spend four days in Boston, and it's uh... – it's ironic that this is uh, the name that pops up because when I first heard it, I scoffed at the idea because obviously it's Boston, but uh, the name that apparently Miami is interested in 
is Grant Williams, who, uh, you know, he's an undersized PJ Tucker kind of player that uh, we just saw obviously play actually really well in the second game. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, basically the word on the street will say is that uh, they like Grant Williams as a player. They find um, that he would be, you know, a good fit uh, in the, as a big man that can switch, but also can guard up things like that. And um, apparently it sounds as if that there is mutual interest on the ability to actually get something done, which that was the surprising part to me. Uh, obviously, I think it's really early in the season um, for us to really know exactly how far any of this stuff would ever get. But I think it would boil down to Grant Williams wants an extension. He's extension eligible. Uh, his max extension is 25% of the cap, which is like five years, 188 million. He's not getting paid that, but he's up for an extension. Uh, the Celtics just extended Al Horford a few days ago. And I think that they're just running out of the ability to extend guys. And so somebody's going to get squeezed. And if they look around the league and they're going to move Grant Williams, Miami's interested. Uh, I had heard that there is likely going to need to be a third team. Although if you do salary math, just straight up, like honestly, Dwayne Dedman in a first round pick, if we're just talking salary match, that could make it, that could work. Right. But I think that there could be a third team involved and it's just something to watch. It's not anything that's close. I'm putting it in context. I don't know how Boston and Miami deal if they're close to each other in the standings as they are not at the current moment. Um, but that was essentially what we, what we had heard and we'll see where it goes, right? It's not anything that's imminent or anything like that, just to be completely transparent, but it is a name that obviously we should monitor, especially if it doesn't happen now, Ethan, we always talk about this. If it ever comes around to free agency, sign and trades, that kind of stuff, just remember the name Grant Williams. Remember, he'd be restricted after this year, too. So they could match an offer sheet. The question is whether or not they'd want to. I kind of once... Um, you and some others, you know, kind of provided the information. I, I kind of, I back channeled it on how, how the mechanics of this would work. Okay. So the basically the answer I got to the question, I think that heat fans would ask is this would Boston and Miami deal with each other. Okay. That, cause that's the big question. So there's really two issues here. Okay. The first issue is not an issue from what I was told. There is no bad blood between the organizations. Um, the Heat have always had admiration for Brad Stevens. Okay, I, I can tell you, going back to Summer League, I have pictures of who would sit with who when they were sitting in the Cox Pavilion in Las Vegas. Brad would sit there with Pat. Okay, uh, th there's a relation. There's a lot of respect there. There's also was a lot of respect between Spolstra and Stevens. Okay, M mutual. So that's not an issue. The Danny Ainge thing has been removed. The, well, everything we talked about this summer was about Utah, obviously, because that's where Danny is. The only person who deals with Danny is Dwayne. Okay, uh, it's not. It's nobody inside the Heat organization. Okay, that ha has. We, we obviously know of the of the history between Pat and Danny, and that's real, by the way. That was not. That was not just for our entertainment purposes only. Okay, although it was maybe my greatest night ever covering the Heat. I, I think beyond the championships and anything was, you know, being outside a locker room in New Orleans and Tim Donovan coming out and saying, Pat has a message uh, he wants uh, to give to you guys uh, that you guys can tweet out. If you'd like, uh, you know, tell Danny Ainge to shut the F up and manage his own team. Uh, that was, that was, that was one of the moments uh, me Winhorst and Joe Goodman and, and Shandell standing outside a locker room, getting that saying, 
really? He wants us to tweet that. So that was real, by the way. Um, but it no longer exists. Okay. So there's no other than the fact that, you know, there's the Garnett and Pierce and UD stuff and all that, like none of that matters anymore. Uh, so they would deal with each other just in terms of personalities and all the rest of that, I, I believe. And I think there would be some trust there. The issue, as you said, would be standings related, I think. Um, and whether or not Boston would want to deal with a team that it perceives as a competitor in the Eastern Conference. But ultimately, and I've said this before, and, and I think this, this comes in with the Celtics too. I've always said this with the Heat. You, you deal with who gets you the deal that makes the most sense for you. Okay. I, I, I'm, I think fans overreact to this idea that you won't deal with a team in your division or a rival or something like that. I, you you make a deal with a team that if, if it makes sense, like Boston and Philadelphia have dealt with each other. I mean, the Markel Fultz, I mean, Danny Ainge dealt with, didn't work out very well for Philly when they traded Jason Tatum in a first round pick to move up and take Markel Fultz. But the Celtics and the Sixers traded with each other. There's a longstanding rivalry between those two organizations and they play literally in the same division. Okay. Brooklyn so and Boston too. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I, I don't think that this is uh, Dallas and Houston have made trades. Okay. They're, th this happens. And so I do think that a trade can be made. I think the question then becomes, okay, what are you, what are you willing to give up for the player? And what, what are you from the heat perspective? And what do you like about the player? I completely understand what they like and they do like him. Okay. Cause I did back channel that too. They, they are, they, they are very fond of his game. Uh, you mentioned PJ Tucker. He's a little different um, than PJ, but he is six, six, or he's listed at six, six. Uh, but he's a little bit more versatile as a, as a shooter than PJ. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, is a dirty work player quite like PJ is or was um, this year is a little bit different, but if you look at the three point shooting and some of this has to do with the style of offense and the driving kick and Brady and I did a whole episode on this in the step back, but all of Boston's three point shooters are thriving right now. Okay. Other than their primary playmakers, Tatum Brown, and smart, but all of their peripheral guys. But Grant Williams' three-point shooting has gone from 25% as a rookie to 37% to 41%. Of course, he had the memorable game against Milwaukee uh, in the playoffs where they, they just kept giving him the same damn shot and he kept making it. He's at 46% from three this year, and his volume's increased. Uh, he's at 3.8 attempts per game. Um, so that's outstanding. His minutes have also increased to 28 and a half. Now, some of that, and this plays into this, Greg, is that Robert Williams is coming back at some point, and he hasn't played. And that, although he's a completely different style of player from Grant Williams, because obviously Robert Williams is, you know, he's a he's a he's a rimmed protector. He's a he's a dive guy. He's not a shooter. Uh, he's created more minutes on the floor for Grant Williams, and also his absence has created more space uh, for the, the, the Celtics play Celtics, uh, drivers and for their shooters. And so uh, I, I think that you have to take into account, okay, why would Boston trade this guy shooting 46% from three? I think you've hit on the first reason. The first reason is he's going to want an extension. He's going to be expensive based on production. But if you're the Celtics, you may say, well, we're not going to get that production from him necessarily going forward. If we just extended Al Horford for two years and we're going to be playing Robert Williams and provide the Robert Williams knee holds up heavy minutes. So we're not going to be playing Grant Williams 28 minutes a game like we have been early this season. He might go back to a low 20 minutes player. It is a low 20 minutes player worth what Grant Williams is going to want or maybe command in restricted free agency. 
So I that that's why, Greg, I think from Boston's perspective, you <coughs> might look to move him. But go back into the Heat's perspective. Does this solve would getting Grant Williams and I, who would we even be talking about here that you're moving? Because right now his contract is low. Yeah. Right. It's so it's tough to know if like he would be extended and traded or if it would just be a straight up swap or if you're looking for a third team to take like a Duncan Robinson salary. Cause I don't know that Boston needs Duncan Robinson. Like they have enough good three point shooters. Uh, and I don't know that Miami would be so interested in swapping a Max Struess or a Gabe Vincent type player. It, you know, although I, I, maybe I could be wrong. I, I think Max Struess is not realistic at all. Of, um, of those three though, which is the one Boston would want contracts to say would be Struess, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, they've already had Struess and they let him go and now he's playing a lot better. So I think they'd probably want to do over there. We know they love Tyler. Tyler is not part of this. If anybody is going in that direction on social media, don't. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So to me, you know, he's only at four million right now. So to your point, like it's tough to figure out a deal unless they feel like um if they got a pick out of it and they don't care where he lands, or maybe they're going to end up getting a couple front court players. Like let's just say it's a three team type scenario and they end up with Jay Crowder and Tory Craig out from Phoenix, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and they got a couple front court pieces that can solidify them in the current moment, but they don't need to commit to them long-term. Like right. maybe they find that that's uh, an even enough trade if they were to gain a pick again, I, this is all speculation, but they I'm do trying need, to connect. Greg, the that's dots. The thing, though, that, that you're right. They do need to get a front court piece from somebody if they trade him because well, two reasons, one Horford's age. Okay. Uh, even though they extended him, but also Robert Williams fragility at this point, they, they don't, they can't count on him. I mean, he keeps shaving his meniscus to come back eventually that's not going to go very well for him. So there's that. And, and like on the perimeter, they don't need a lot. Like you talk, okay. Like last year I would have said, okay, a Gabe Vincent player for them would really help them, but they just got Malcolm Brogdon. Right. So they've plugged that hole, you know, with, and no disrespect to Gabe, but with, with a better player, right? Like, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is, we've seen what Malcolm Brogdon can, can do. Um, otherwise I think Gabe would have been really like that version of the Celtics last year could have used Gabe Vincent. Okay, because they were playing guys behind smart that they shouldn't be playing. But other than that, they're bigs. I mean, they got Luke Cornett. Uh, they're not going to count on him in any significant way. So you're right. They would have to find a playable six foot six or taller player um, to be part of the front court mix from somebody. The Heat don't really have that. I mean, you could trade Dwayne Dedman in January and a first, right? I mean, if you were going to make, I mean, Denman's contract and it's close enough, right? You can make that thing yeah. work. No, it would work. It's just, I, I have a hard time buying that Boston is going to help Miami like that unless right. they don't think that it helped. Like there's this one thing that I'll just mention and then I won't interrupt you again, Ethan, I promise. Like there's this perception about like helping the other teams. That thing the Heat talks about when they're like, we're just focused on us. Mm. Other franchises operate like that as well. And Boston is probably thinking to some degree, like if all their guys are healthy and right, they don't care who's on what team. They think that they can win. So I I, I don't know if they're incentivized enough. Yes. But Deadman, I don't know that. That's well, I, I think the only team and, and I Heat fans might. Uh, take offense to this. I think the only team that Boston would be thinking about in terms of we don't want to help them is Milwaukee. I, yeah. I, I really, I really that's think fair. that, right. I, I think, and I think that's earned. I think the Celtics and bucks 
view themselves as a level above right now. Okay. Now the heat can get themselves back into that mix. I don't think that Boston or Milwaukee wants to see the heat in a one, four matchup this year. I think there's a bunch of other teams they would prefer to play. If the heat are healthy, that's not the team you want. Okay. You want Atlanta. You want maybe, you know, a young Cleveland team, even with all of their talent, right? Like that's who you want to see in a second round matchup. You do not want to see Miami. I don't think, I don't, I don't think you want to see Philly either. Um, but we know that Philly trips over itself when it matters. Okay. So I, I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think Boston has any interest in seeing Jimmy Butler come to their building in a one, four, one, five matchup. None. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I do think they should respect Miami, but I think that that Milwaukee is the team that they're like, okay, we're not going to help them. Look, we saw very directly, you know, with the heat stealing a player. I mean, the hard part of the thing about PJ Tucker getting him last season was you took him from the bucks. Like you yeah. weakened the bucks. Like that was, that was a perk. I think that again, that matters in free agency. I just don't, I think in a trade, you look for the trade that makes the most sense. But like you said, Miami doesn't have a one-to-one deal that makes a ton of sense. And Miami's first round picks don't tend to be worth a lot uh, if they belong to Miami because the heat don't tank. So if you're Boston and you're trying to grab a pick and plus you're not dealing with an idiot up there. I mean, whatever, whatever heat fans think of Brad Stevens. Okay. He's a, he's a sharp dude. Um, and, and he's not going to make a bad trade for the sake of just partying with Grant Williams. And also there's, there is bad history with Celtics fans, even though this wasn't a trade with the Ray Allen situation. And so, and Grant Williams is not Ray Allen. Okay. Although at this part of his career, he may actually be more productive going forward than Ray was since Ray only had a couple of years left in him, but I could see how Celtics fans would be like, wait a second. We just, we went through this with Ray. We're going to choose trading him there. So they better get the right deal, but I'm not, but I don't think it precludes them from doing anything just off the surface here. If there's a three-way trade or anything like that, would you make a deal? Cause the heat have their own decisions to make on Vincent and Struce coming up. Okay. So would you make a deal that's sent to, if you, if it netted you Grant Williams, okay. And you end up having to part with a, a pick, whether it's protected or, or whatever, would you part with Max Struce? I would even, not. Even, even if he's not going to Boston. I, I don't think I would. Um, I just feel like, like, I guess the way I've conceptualized the way that this build's going to work is you eventually move off Duncan, get Max Strauss, get Max Strauss, listen to me, Max Struess at a more, uh, you know, reasonable number locked in long-term. And then he's your Duncan Robinson kind of shooter. And uh, I, I just expect Max to be part of this going forward, frankly. Um, Gabe Vincent, I guess I could be I could be talked into it a little bit more because there's a lot of young guards looking for minutes around the league in the Heat's G League system, um, and maybe even on the roster if Victor Oladipo all of a sudden is is available. So to me, like that could be a name I could be swayed into, but I don't know that Boston has any use for him. So again, this becomes a three team scenario. Yeah, it's it's interesting to monitor, and we'll keep an eye on it. It's not a name we have talked about a lot, so I think when this popped up, it was interesting. I think you and I ruled it out for the same reason. A, why would Boston let him go? And B, why would they make a move with Miami? But I think in both cases, you can see where there might be movement there, and there definitely is interest on the Heat side. There's no question about it. But there's interest in, in guys we've talked about. There's still interest in Jay, who's still sitting out there in Phoenix. Um, I wonder about that. See, to me, the Haywood Highsmith's, uh, emergence here it could change things. You're right. Could change things, but I still think a Grant Williams player makes sense. Like I don't know necessarily that a Jay Crowder player makes sense, but 
a guy who has been as efficient consistently and on an upswing from three, like Grant Williams has been. And 24 which, years old. Exactly. Exactly. Much younger player. Uh, a Jay Crowder player, I don't I don't know if you're going to get somewhat similar defense. I mean, honestly, Haywood Highsmith is defense is in the, it's a small sample size, but has exceeded what you would likely get from Jay Crowder at this point. Then what's the point? of a trade like that. If you have Martin, if you have Highsmith, but getting a guy like Grant Williams, a, a legitimate spacer to add to the front court rotation along with Bam, who also can defend who you don't have to take off the floor at the end of games. We saw that against Miami as it always comes down to this. It's not who you start. It's whether or not Eric Spolstra has up to seven pieces that he can play at the end of games. That's what they look for. Okay. He would be one of their seven closers for sure. One of their options. Um, I don't even know if Jay Crowder would be at this stage. What I I don't know what Jay Crowder is going to look look like coming back. He to me he was a bit of a declining player last year. There's a reason Phoenix wanted to move off of him in the starting lineup. Okay, and they they moved Cam Johnson in. You know, even when they had, still had Jay there. So uh, just something to monitor. But again, a name that we, we hadn't talked about a lot. We've talked about Harrison Barnes. We've talked about Marcus Morris. We've talked about Robert Covington is another name. OK, who sort of fits in the Jay category. He's out of the rotation with the Clippers right now, or at least out of their primary rotation when everybody's healthy. It's a name that the Heat have liked in the past. So there's a, there's a lot of names. But I can tell you that the Grant Williams thing, Greg got it, someone else uh, in our network. Uh, we've heard about it from a couple of different people. And then, like I said, I checked it out. There is definite interest from the Heat side. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about somebody on the Heat's roster who is closer to coming back um, and making this thing as whole as it can possibly be. Before we do, we'll tell you about a couple of great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. This guy was at our watch party over at Tropic of the Stillers the other day. Huge Miami Heat fan um, based down here in South Florida. He's an FSU guy, but uh, don't don't blame him for that. Uh, he went to school at St. Thomas for his law degree. He's Eric Rubenstein, and he's the guy you want to reach out to if you've got any kind of a personal injury situation, car accident, slip and fall, medical malpractice, and more. Reach out to Eric. He will listen to whatever your issue is, and he will make sure that you get your money. Reach out to him at 954 954- 829-ERIC, that's 954-829-ERIC, E-R-I-C, not with a K like Spolstra. Uh, find him also at Ask About Me, I Got You on Instagram. He has, he's, you won't find a lot of personal injury attorneys down here hanging out with Meek Mill, okay? So let's, uh, you know, he Eric's, <laughs> Eric's a good dude, uh, and you'll find him at all the Heat games. Uh, somehow he gets into all the places I can't get into, uh, so maybe he can do that in the courtroom for you as well. All right, so reach out again, and the website is Eric Rubenstein, ericrubenstein.com. All the information is there on the site. He's based here in, uh, in Dade, but he can service uh, everything in Broward as well. He actually, fun fact, he actually used to be a bouncer, uh, I think at the W on Fort Lauderdale beach. Um, so Eric, Eric knows everybody and he'll get you at, he'll get you your money. Uh, he's also very good at the legal stuff as well. Also, I do want to mention our product code five RSN. That's number five RSN. You can use that at three different places, betteredge.com. That is our betting uh, sponsor. And that is peer to peer betting. That is totally legal. You're not betting against the book. You're betting against peers. You can find the line that you want betteredge.com. 5RSN and for all your CBD, therapistpreferred.com, 25% off. And for all your grooming products, manscaped.com, 20% off. That's the product code 5RSN. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, let's get to Victor Oladipo here. Was it Barry who had the piece today in the Herald? I think so. Let me I believe check. so. It was the Herald. So it's Anthony or Barry or both. Yeah, I think I think it's Barry because well, I I I I don't sub right now. I will say, although everybody accuses us of charging for things, we don't. Um, but let's see here. I we did we did clip it. Um, so if this is Barry Anthony, whichever one it is, I, I apologize for not knowing. Uh, Oladipo had said that the condition in his knee. This of course is the other. This is the other leg, not the one that he uh, he was dealing with the the quad in, the quad surgery. Uh, Doctors have indicated the condition will not is not chronic, and he said he can move past it, which is consistent with what we had heard and what we've reported here. Um, the discomfort appeared in the left knee appeared suddenly during the preseason. Um, you, everybody thinks is aware of that, and he told the Herald, he said, "I think it was it was me going hard like I do. Things like this happen when you ramp things up and go hard. It's just part of the game. Luckily for me, it was nothing major. I'm blessed. I'm I've been able to still get better, still improve, and coming up with a great plan for my return to play. Look forward to getting out there and playing. Okay, a couple of things on this. Um, number one, I, I want to address this from the very beginning. Okay, the Miami Heat were counting on Victor Oladipo this year. Okay." For sure. Uh, whenever I spoke to Heat officials this offseason and I talked about running it back, they said, we're not running it back. We have a healthy Vic this year. So this was a setback. There's no question. OK, but as Vic is saying, and as we've been reporting, it's not a permanent setback. This stuff is going to happen with him. It just is. He has put his body, not not his fault. OK, his surgeons, you know, bad luck, everything. Uh, have put his body in a position where every time that he tries to push his way back, he runs the risk of something else going wrong. There being some kind of compensation injury, um, either for the, the level of effort he's putting in or just because his body is not the same as it used to be. So this, this is not surprising, okay, that he's had some kind of a setback. The second thing is this, okay? They may not be counting on him to the degree they were counting on him before, but they still are counting on him to be a rotation piece. They, they see his rim pressure as something that they need. Brady and Alex have talked a lot about that. Uh, and obviously his point of attack defense, which has been a bit of a problem for the Heat uh, this year. And playing Vic would allow you to play less zone, although obviously Vic can be really good in the zone as well because when he's healthy, he can cover a lot of ground. We have heard and we've been reporting that they were targeting this week for his return. The fact that he traveled the fact that he is speaking publicly, which the Heat don't allow you to do typically when you are a long way away. Jimmy didn't talk to anybody for two weeks when he was missing. We were reporting what was going on, but he wasn't talking. Mick is talking, okay? I've heard they're targeting Tuesday against Detroit. So whether or not that happens, we'll see, okay? But I don't believe he's going to play Monday night in Memphis. I, I think that, that from what I was told, they want to give him a soft landing uh, for his return, maybe limited minutes uh, against a team where you have a little bit of leeway. You don't have a lot of leeway in Memphis. It, it's it's different to throw Jimmy Butler back in Boston, as we see, right, than to yeah. throw Vic, who's still trying to trust his body here, uh, you know, in, into, you know, and, and find his rotation spot. Uh, so, so let's get into this. If he comes back this week, which again, I, I think is very possible here, but if not, it's definitely imminent. It's soon. Okay. W where does he fit Greg? 
Yeah, and if it's not this homestand, this three-game homestand, then they go out on the road for four straight, and sometimes that's a good time to get somebody activated as well. Um, they start in Indiana. That's an interesting place for him to start um, his his road back. But no, like how he fits, I think um, obviously in a bench role, and it would be interesting to see how they navigate finding enough minutes for um, essentially to me – he would eventually find his way into the top nine, depending on matchups. I mean, I guess there's certain times you could say Haywood Highsmith may get mo- minutes, but I don't know that it would be at the expense of Oladipo. I think there could be other shuffling that would take place. U- ultimately, he finds his way into the top nine. He's kind of that point of attack defender, um, a guy that they can do a number of things with. On nights when he's playing well offensively, he's a boost offensively off the bench. If you have guys like Max Struess and um, and Victor Oladipo coming off your bench, it's just more ammunition. Essentially, like that's what Tyler was doing last year that really set them apart when that second unit would come in and you'd have a guy that could replicate some of that stuff. Also, they could play zone. They could be so much more flexible with the defense. I think that that's another thing that Haywood Highsmith has allowed Spolstra once Jimmy is back, obviously they can start to kind of flex the coverages with zone and man and switching through them and things like that. And it's just more seamless. Victor can do that as well. So ultimately I think he would be a primary backcourt option off the bench in the top nine. Um, maybe they could even, and gosh, in Heatland, this sounds crazy to say they could even go to 10 deep in the event that they had everybody healthy and Oladipo was right because he would just allow that much more breathing room. And I just think that having a player like Oladipo come back and be himself, even the self we saw in the Celtics series, you're just giving more tools in the toolbox. And that's something that Spolstra hasn't had. That's why he was asking if you could just play 20 minutes, come and play 10, you know, like he wanted anything from anyone. It's just having another guy on that bench and they need that now. And I think he would become pretty quickly a mainstay in the backcourt off the bench. When I was talking to Eric in the Bahamas before this situation popped up with Vic and Eric was excited about this team and talking about how much talent he had on this team. When he talked about Oladipo, his eyes lit up. And basically because what he was saying was he said last year, he did much more than he should have for us. That that was said. He says, we threw him onto a moving train, you know, and and there really wasn't. And we, we talked about it at the time. I mean, like it, there was no chemistry between him and Jimmy offensively. Um, the big games that Vic had, Jimmy didn't play. That the the huge game against Orlando, the forty point game, was basically a glorified scrimmage. Nobody played but Vic. Like most of the time, then when Vic played well in the playoffs, it was the game that Jimmy missed because of the knee, the knee, the same knee that just cropped up here. So, I think they were extraordinarily excited about just how this was going to kind of look um, this year once they had some time to to work together. That time happened. It did happen during the preseason. So it's not like Vic is coming back. And it has been totally away from the team. This is not a situation where who's that receiver with the Lions that's coming back this week? The uh, Williams, the, the, guy, the guy they drafted. Yeah, the uh, first round pick. First round pick, and he's just coming back. This Vic has been with the team. Vic has been, and I think that's one of the reasons they wanted to integrate him back on the road, get him out on the road. Okay, which they don't always do with with guys who are who are sidelined. So there there should be more chemistry once he comes back, but it is going to be a little clunky at times for sure. Um, and the other thing to watch here is I think 
we were looking at it when Vic came back that this was an opportunity to kind of break up the hero Lowry thing a little bit because it hadn't been working very well and to stagger and to kind of see, okay, what does Vic look like with Kyle? What does Vic look like with Tyler? Well, the Lowry hero backcourt to me looked the best it's looked uh, against Boston. So there may not be the need to do that as much, but I do think getting another guy into the mix, I think the other thing you're going to see, and this is going to frustrate Heat fans, is you're going to see Eric go even smaller. <laughs> you're going to see these three-court rotations. You're going to see Gabe out there with Kyle and Vic. You're going to see, right? You're going to see uh, yep. Tyler out there. It, it's, you know, he's going to throw, he's going to mad scientist with some of these three-guard rotations. And you're going to see some more of, of Jimmy at the four, which, again, I think is a concern for some Heat fans. Um, but again, it just gives him another tool, as you said, and it gives him another closing option, but I'm going to temper the expectations here just because not because I don't think Vic can play. I think he can play. I just saw, you know, when we were watching him in the preseason, uh, Brady and Alex and I were sitting there watching Victor after Jamal Kane had been playing. Okay. And we were watching the first step, kind of the athleticism, the burst. And we all said it that night. And this is right before Vic went out for the extended absence. Cause he did play on the preseason. We're like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a first step right now. Like he, the, the, even the explosiveness we saw at times last year was gone. So we will see if that was just this, this knee situation, this other knee situation that was holding him back. Cause if he has that kind of explosiveness, he's going to be a limited player for them offensively. He can mm. still defend, but it was, it was, there was a clear difference. Like when Jamal Kane subbed in for him, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. That, that's what it should look like. Nobody is saying Jamal Kane is a better basketball player than Victor Oladipo at this stage. It was just saying that Vic used to have that, that burst. So we'll see if it comes back. But it is interesting to watch um, the Heat play Memphis on Monday night. No Desmond Bain. He's been one of, to me, the three or four, you know, most improved players in the entire league. He was, he was on a 25, five and five season. That's a Dwayne Wade type season um, before he got hurt. He's not there, but John Morant is expected to play. Steven Adams, as we speak tonight is questionable with a hip injury in Detroit. Second night of a back-to-back. We don't know if he'll play. He averages 12 rebounds a game. Jaron Jackson is back um, and has been playing reasonably well. And they just find guys like the Grizzlies have guys you've never heard of who hurt you. And then you've got a guy, Dylan Brooks, who the Heat fans are familiar with, who's like an elevated random scrub heat killer. Um, Just before we go here, we did a little bit longer than we expected. Uh, One thing you'd like to see against Memphis before they come home. Compete on the boards. Memphis is the best rebounding team in the NBA. And um, I mean, just if we're looking at counting stats, they average almost 10 rebounds more than the heated game, uh, maybe eight, but um, that's essentially a front court players average rebounds. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to see how they compete that way. Um, I'm interested to see how they guard John Morant um, and just the balance of the zone versus man. We saw what they did against Boston to try to, um, get Jason Tatum off of his spots and some of what they were able to be more flexible with that they weren't than the game prior against Jason Tatum. And so I'm interested to see how that translates looking ahead in Memphis. Jaws, awesome to watch. I like the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll be honest. They're one of the teams in the Western conference that I try to keep track of. Um, 
it just in terms of like rooting interest, if there had to be a, a Western conference team that I, I like it's one, one of them is Memphis. And um, so I'm just, I'm interested to see that in particular, how they guard Ja and how they protect the boards in, you know, against a team that just feasts on, uh, on the offensive and defensive glass. Yeah, the rebounding, uh, that crowd, which you can get into it, is a problem in Memphis. Miami have has had issues there in the past. And yes, keep Dylan Brooks from having one of those games. Uh, he's, he's hit or miss, but against Miami, uh, he tends to be hit. All right, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, if you're listening to this before the Dolphins game, um, well, good. We gave you a little bit of an appetizer. If not, obviously, oh, Dolphins. Well, we will have for the network's sake. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's just pray that Tua survives. That's it. He's without both of his tackles today. Uh, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.